The Start On Demand. On demand. Today was our last show at our Polo Park location. We're getting ready to move downtown to 201 Portage to join our friends at Global Winnipeg. Portage Place, big moves at City Hall on Thursday as City Council moved to approve $20 million in combined funding for the redevelopment of the mall. We'll speak with City Councillor Brian Mays, who voted against, and City Councillor Scott Gillingham, who voted for, and our very own Richard Cloutier has a message for the mayor. Greg has something passionate to say about the Vivian Santos situation, and we want to know from you, what's your favorite out-of-town food stand? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who is on vacation. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Friday, July 24th podcast for The Start. Hey, TFJ, you just ran that story on Dave Franco's directorial debut. Did you hear that Dave Franco is going to be playing the one, the only, Rip Van Winkle Vanilla Ice in a biopic? I have to take a call, Brett. Excuse me. Yeah, Greg, he's going to play Vanilla Ice in a biopic. Is that his name, (laughs) Milroy? Producer Kyle's in for Jeff Forte. Rip Van Winkle, I think, is his name. Is it? That's his like state. Is that his real name? I'm I, not even sure. It's something like that. Uh, no, it, no, that can't be right. <laughs> uh, hang on a second. Robert, pardon me. Robert Matthew Van Winkle. Okay. okay. Rip Van Winkle is uh, <laughs> a short story by the American author Washington Irving, first published in 1819. So it's too early to learn. Story Brett. Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, good morning, Greg. It's our last show. You're not. You're not here to take it in, but it's our last show at Polo Park. That's right. And you know, uh, as you mentioned that, we moved from 930 Portage, what, almost eight years ago? Does that sound about right? I think it's been... uh... Kyle, do you remember when it was? You know what's weird is I do remember when it was because I was actually hosting a show the day we moved in here. Okay. One day, but it was just, it was, it was Valentine's Day 2011 when we moved in here. Valentine's Day 2011? I guess that's why it's easy to remember because it was a, it was a specific day. Okay, yeah. yeah so. It was a Sunday, right, Kyle? Uh, and well, so yeah, the, we did the switch yeah. over, and uh, maybe it was a Saturday, but I, I did the last live show at 9.30 Portage. Oh, wow. And there were a, c- a couple of hours of recorded or national programming, and then I did the first live broadcast at Polo Park about two or three hours after Really? On the uh, on the, on the day of the switchover. Oh man, it's kind of wild. That's cool. So I'm sad I'm not there today. Yeah, and Kyle, uh, he made the the observation that we outlasted the building. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's, it's so, impressive. Yeah. So we're starting. We make the flip on Sunday. Clay Young will host the first show on Sunday from our new location at 201 Portage with where we finally get to join our colleagues. I'm looking at them right now, Global News Morning. Uh, we're joining our colleagues at Global Winnipeg. So all three radio stations, 680 CJOB, Peggy at 99.1 and Power 97, will be moving downtown. So thirty on the 30th floor, Greg, in that spectacular view. I cannot wait to get back in the studio and to experience that view. I mean, 
we've been spoiled with our view at Polo Park of that courtyard and that uh, that concrete wall that we look at. <laughs> and of course, there's the tin foil on the windows that Lorraine has over her shoulder. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that. But the view at, at Portage and Main ups it just a, just a tiny bit. I'm, well, you know, the view that I have right now is I, I just let me pull the microphone down and look out. As I look to the northeast, I've got a beautiful sunrise. Uh, to the northeast, looking out over the creek. Uh, but indeed, that <laughs> the tin foil that they put up on that one window, I mean, we can't see it now because they've, they've put up uh, a cutout from one of our Bus King ads for the start uh, with Macklin McGarry and McNabb. But uh, the, from the, the outside, it looks like <laughs> it looks like our studio is a grow-up or something. <laughs> they put up this tin foil because for television purposes, they had to bring a camera in here. Uh, so if you've ever happened to wander by and wonder why is there tin foil on the window for their studio that's why so we're excited did you, you said studio greg you can't wait to be in studio are you going to be in studio with me i'm 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 not at liberty to discuss this but i am in negotiation to return uh to the workplace sooner than later how's that excellent excellent that's all, that's all i will say i know you enjoy watering the flowers at four in the morning but uh, like it. it'll be great to have you back in studio so lots to discuss today uh of course one of the big things we're going to be discussing at on mass today at uh, 637 707 715 740 837 is Portage Place. Look, uh, I know some of our listeners might be tired of hearing about Portage Place by now, but yesterday was a big deal. Uh, there's not a deal in stone, but at least the deal isn't dead to redevelop Portage Place. And I know there's some people who just like to see it bulldozed. Lots of people who are in favor of making something better there. And of course, uh, most people fall somewhere in between. So we'll get a bunch of different perspectives. We'll speak to a couple of politicians, city councillors who are right in the middle of this thing. Uh, Brian Mays, who voted against the proposal, uh, which came forth and uh, essentially commits the city to a variety of different concessions to Starlight from the city that total $20 million. And Scott Gillingham, who was right in the middle of the negotiations and why he voted in favor and why he came up to and came help come up with a deal that he believes will save this deal and allow it to proceed. Richard Cluche, who broke the story months ago that this was going to be happening, that there was someone from Toronto poking their noses around and uh, had actually put on a, a, out a formal offer to purchase Portage Place and the, and the land and, of course, the uh, parkade attached uh, under the ground. And uh, Richard will sort of uh, try and put a bow on this, at least for now. We want to have a conversation about... We want to have a conversation that's going to make us all very hungry, quite frankly, uh, because we had a chat with Sills Drive-In yesterday in Carmen. Small town salute, because they're doing their mini golf starting today. So... We want to know, what's your favorite out-of-town food stand? I think we've probably all got at least one. So we've got producer Kyle here in for Jeff Forte, Tristan Field-Jones. Is TFJ in there or is he too busy with the weather stuff? I'm right here. All right. And uh, Kelly Moore is here. So, Kelly, why don't we start with you? What's your favorite out-of-town food stand? Well, number one on that list would have to be the Half Moon and uh, a close second, Chris's Fish and Chips in Gimli. Although we have not been there 
for a while, but I think I have been told that is uh, on our schedule of things to do this weekend. Uh, a boy, yeah, we've had, we had we've had a number of uh, suggestions coming in for fish and chips locations in Gimli. I think the other one is, is it called the Beach Boy? Yes, uh, yeah, okay, Beach yeah. Boy Restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about you, Tristan Field Jones? Well, it isn't exactly um, a food stand, but it is a, a kind uh, of. Um, a restaurant, I guess. Um, I love, uh, as you know, going out hiking, and uh, the White Shell has so many great little places, but I have to give a shout-out to a place I've eaten many times before. Uh, the Falcon Nest Cafe there is just, it's delicious, it's affordable, and what's great is that uh, if you want dessert, there's about three other places that offer various types of milkshakes that are full of dairy and will definitely not make you feel bloated and disgusted <laughs> with yourself once you've had a large one. <laughs> And I What's don't know the what matter with that? <laughs> I Kelly, I feel like a bowling ball. <laughs> like, okay, hold, hold on. Is, is that, a, is that a, a, like a burger stand or is it a sit-down restaurant? I guess it's a sit-down restaurant, but it, it's kind so of... So why a, are you changing the rules here at TFJ? <laughs> <laughs> can, can you ever conform to what's going on around here? Uh, I, felt like, I felt like saying just answer the question. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? It was mentioned in the email yesterday that, you know, a favorite place to eat was also an option there. Mr. Mackling, so I'm not I'm not changing the rules. I am following the instructions of the email. So talk talk to my agent, Brett. <laughs> I endorse any uh, any razzing of Tristan Field Jones, uh, and also you know what, Tristan, on the su- subject of the white shell, that reminds me there is a great place. Uh, I don't know if it's still there. There was a place called the Nighthawk, which was a cafe, but it also had a food stand component. Uh, they had great fries. It's still there. Is it yep. still there? Yep. I think so. Yes. Okay, right on. Uh, speaking of the Nighthawk, well, let's go to the man who filled in quite often on the Nighthawk when that was a thing around here, Greg Mackling. What about you? Oh, yeah. Gosh, thanks for the reminder. Uh, one of our listeners, Kiefer, says, and I was trying to remember the name of this uh, yesterday when you sent this out. My favorite out-of-town food stand is in Treehern, Highway 2, L&J's Drive-In, the best mm. deep-fried mushrooms and ice cream you'll ever have. Random combo, but it works. Yeah, I stopped there for a burger one time on my way home from Boys of Vane, so I endorse it. But my favorite is Salty's in Winnipeg Beach. Uh, you know, I just love going there. The, the memories or shall I say, trying to sort out the memories of going to Salties in my early 20s, uh, always an adventure. So uh, shout out to the folks up in Winnipeg Beach. Salties is, was going to be one of my choices too because uh, I had uh, friends with who had cabins in Winnipeg Beach and in Sandy Hook. So every summer we would go out to one of those cabins at least and no trip out there was complete without Salties. And it's funny, they had a burger called the Marantz, which I believe was five patties of beef and a chicken patty and it oh, had God. all the fixins and the deal was Dear if you could Lord. eat it in three minutes then you got it for free and my buddies kept egging me on to do it and i said guys even i might be able to eat this burger but there's no way i put it down in three minutes like you'd have to eat, i wouldn't even know how to eat it you'd have to go layer by layer because you wouldn't be able to bite through that so how many yeah, patties that would, you say? that would make you feel like a bowling ball yeah, no yeah. kidding. Five patties of beef Five. and a chicken a burger. Ball. Yeah. <laughs> Producer Kyle, what about Outrageous. you? Um, definitely the Half Moon is one of them, and one that I have really fond memories of. I don't think it's there anymore is the, the Country Boy in uh, Gimli. It was a really good uh, burger spot, but uh, I think that's gone now, but that was a really good one. But that whole strip on Gimli is just chock full of 
excellent choices to eat. Yeah, there's the, uh, I, I need to do the fish and chips in Gimli. Another great uh, location in Lockport, of course, is Skinner's. I, I spent some time there last summer uh, celebrating their anniversary, and uh, I was reminded as to why they are such a success. Just delicious food there. Um, just, just a second here. Half Moon is also a sit-down restaurant, and so is Skinner's. Uh, but they have food stands. Both have windows, TFJ. <laughs> yeah. Get out once in a while. And so, I know I'm aware. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Greg. I'm aware of that, and so does the Falcon Nest Cafe. So I'm not sure why I'm getting all the grief here for picking something that doesn't going to be with the rules here. Your objection is denied. Sounds Sit like down, Tristan counselor. needs a milkshake. <laughs> What's that? You okay there, Tristan? Kyle said oh, I'm it terrific. sounds like you need a milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe a bowling ball. <laughs> oh, hey, Warren uh, is weighing in for Jeff Braun. The Hut in Altona. Best oh. burgers and soft ice cream around. We've got Steve saying the Snack Shack in Selkirk. I've uh, been golfing, been going with my daughter for 20 years. Always great ice cream and fries. And uh, Mike Maskell says Maz in Elm Creek. So we are just getting inundated here with text. Keep them coming at 204-780-6868. You got one there, Greg? Just real quick, good news for you, Kyle. Country Boy is still open in Gimli. All right. I know where I'm uh, headed on my holidays. About, uh, four text messages in succession. Country Boy is still open. Thank still you, open. everybody. Hey, All right. Still open. <laughs> <laughs> and now, Greg Mackling, we must continue. Uh, with Portage Place's Winnipeg City Council approved $20 million in funding for a proposed $400 million redevelopment of Portage Place Mall after heated debate yesterday. The total package equals $20 million of support and includes tax increment financing. Mayor Brian Bowman said of an amended motion put forward by Councillor Cindy Gilroy that would see $11.3 million in multi-year municipal property tax rebates for the project, plus $8.7 million in other direct support for city amenities surrounding the property. The updated motion will see the city reimburse developer Starlight Investments up to $400,000 in permitting and planning fees, put up $2.1 million for the developer to build a community centre with public washrooms in the mall and up to $5.6 million for streetscaping on the land surrounding it and $400,000 for transit improvements at adjacent bus stops. The funding was passed 9-7. to seven. One of the seven councillors who voted against the modified offer was St. Vitel Councillor Brian Mays. Councillor Mays joins us now. Good morning, sir. Good morning, so a uh, simple question to start off. Why did you vote no? Well, the amended motion was actually amended from an, a, a motion we got the day before. The $11 million was up from $5 million, So the public had had no chance to review this. We got nine days ago, we got a report from our staff finally saying it should be $5 million. Then, yes, two days ago, Councilor Gilroy said, let's do eleven, And then yesterday I walk in at 8.45 and I'm told, oh, it's $20 million now. Uh, just vote for it. Well, no, I'm not just going to vote for it. We didn't ask public opinion. We didn't do any due diligence, I felt. We didn't. We cut off the question period when Starlight was there. I had questions about their profitability. Didn't get a chance to ask. So uh, I just thought the process was atrocious. I said so on the floor of council. And I think if we're going to be throwing that much money at a company with $14 billion, we, we should take more than well, half an hour of prep time to explain $20 million. Are you against the notion of city involvement overall? 
No, I said that we had completely mishandled this. I mean, our bargaining was we were at five, they were at 20. Then we moved to 11. They didn't move at all. Then we moved to 20. They'll come back for more. I mean, I, I did a lot of bargaining when I worked for a union. You, you don't move. You don't double move. So we've now, I think, triple moved. They're going to ask for more. Why wouldn't they? So I just thought we, it was very inept to the way we, I won't even use the term bargain. I would suggest the other side moved somewhat. So I, I just thought we, it, it would be a good project to get if you simply cave in and give the other side what they wanted and don't even let the public have a chance to come down and talk. I, I, I thought it was very badly handled. Yeah, lots of people suggesting, uh, Councillor Mays, this is the antithesis of negotiation when, you, when you're basically negotiating against yourself. Let's get back to that situation. I saw the video of the vote, uh, the contentious vote with, re- with regard to, I, I guess there was a motion made to, to give Starlight five more minutes on their presentation and the interaction with Council, and that was voted down. Uh, Councillor Janice Lukes was very upset with the process. She was very vocal on Twitter about that, and she visited with Richard and Julie yesterday. What is the deal at City Hall right now with process? We've spoken to you before about how broken it feels to you at time. Was this just an exemplification of that yesterday? I think so. And the, to have the last question was the, the person from Starlet saying, oh, I thought you still had $11 million on the table, not $20 million. I was unaware of this new motion. So all the questions that have been asked, they're not, we're throwing money at them so fast and so hard that they're not even aware of how much money we're trying to throw at them. So that was the final, I mean, I don't blame Starlet on that. So they were quite, I thought, straightforward in their answers. But to say, oh, we didn't even know you were now at 20, not 11. I mean, how am I supposed to ask questions about their position when they don't even know that we've gone from 11 to 20 overnight? Uh, I just found it almost bizarre and i and luke's was upset and i was upset i had more questions so did she i don't know why we would have cut that off but that was the majority vote so you know i i went on and on i think yesterday about development in my ward and people being told we have no money cities out of money no we can't do anything for you and to, to come in and say we found 15 million dollars in two days i think what a precedent. I mean, we have no credibility if, we, if we're saying to people we don't have money now. Yeah, well, we've got to get out here because Scott Gillingham is uh, waiting on the line to come and speak to us. But was this, in essence, a vote against city council and city council and city hall process versus a vote against Starlight, Councillor? I, I don't know. If you, it, I don't think it's an either or. I thought the process was very poor. And, and to come back and say we found... 15 million additional dollars in two days when we've been saying no to a whole lot of groups and a whole lot of people. I, I found that to be a dangerous president and to, to uh, where every developer in the city is probably going to be coming in now and saying, well, just give us equal treatment. So I, I think I think there were a number of dangerous precedents set and we gave the public no chance to come down there and talk. And we found $9 million between what was it, uh, Tuesday morning, you know, Wednesday morning and Thursday morning. You know, people people were emailing me, not knowing the amount of money. It was just total confusion. So I, anyway, I, I'm, Gilliam's a very decent man and uh, I consider him a friend. On this one, though, uh, it wasn't that it was Starlight that, I vo- that caused me to vote the way it did. It was the process that, that we weren't negotiating. You don't, you don't move twice and claim it's negotiating. 
St. Vitale Councillor Brian Mays joining us live on CJOB. Councillor, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. We just spoke with St. Vitale Councillor Brian Mays, who voted against what was discussed yesterday at City Hall regarding Portage Place. But now, Greg, we have someone who voted for. That's right. City Councillor for St. James and City Finance Chair Scott Gillingham joins us this morning. And Scott, uh, I'm sure you were listening to Councillor Mays. Uh, what happened at, at Council yesterday? Was it as discombobulated as it sounds? Well, it was, um, you know, we use the language of making kind of, you know, public, making sausage in public. You know, it's, it's a public process that the City of Winnipeg has. Uh, we our our meetings are, are open to the public, and uh, we make decisions kind of unlike the provincial and federal governments make. Um, the the process ultimately could have been better, but nonetheless, we were up against a deadline and had to make a determination of what value we placed on this four hundred million dollar uh, investment of Starlight. And um, so so the uh, there was different views around the council floor. There's no doubt. But I believe that there's uh, that there's great value in the city uh, investing in the transformation of the Portage Place property, and uh, so ultimately, um, City Council decided on a, a package, uh, an incentive package worth uh, up twenty million dollars over twenty years to see this uh, this property transformed. Councillor Brian Mays says he was, quite frankly, disgusted with uh, the process, the way it was handled, and the way that it, things were sort of rammed through. Uh, what were your thoughts on the way that it was handled? You said it could be a little bit better, but would you agree that it was atrocious? Um, atrocious may be too strong a word. It, it was. It, it could have been better. There's, there's no doubt I, I agree with that. Um, you know, you, you never like to be at the 11th hour trying to make, you know, decisions and... and um, uh, adjustments on the fly, but nonetheless, that that's where we found ourselves. So the question is, do you know, do do we make a decision? Do we do the best we can in that moment? And I, I believe that uh, that we ultimately did. Uh, this this is about the ongoing momentum of of development and redevelopment of our downtown. It's about attracting investors from outside of Manitoba to invest in and to to build and to partner in our city. Um, you know, we see so much transformation that's happened in the downtown over the last several years. The True North development, the convention center expansion, 330 Main is being built out. Um, we even have, uh, you know, CGOB and companies moving downtown, and congratulations on that. So there's a lot of momentum in downtown, and I believe it's really important that the city in, continue to, um, to to spur investment in, in, our, inner, in, in our city. Scott, and I agree with you on, on almost all of that. It's just, how do you get from having $5 million on the table to $20 million on the table? We had a conversation yesterday about the red-hot real estate market, and basically the advice was when you're going into a bidding war, put your best foot forward. If you don't get the house, you don't get the house. How do we go from 5 to $20 million negotiating against ourselves, essentially? Well, I think it's important to remember, first of all, that Starlight, uh, it, it, they came in and they're asking each level of government for $20 million. In fact, they asked for $20 million cash up front. We did not, as council, we did not provide that. We would not provide that. There was, there was a recommendation uh, by one councillor to put $18 million cash up front and, and we, we, you know, with, with no funding source, we put together a $20 million, a, a package worth $20 million that will be flowed over 20 years. And uh, I think that's an important investment in our downtown.
Councillor Scott Gillingham joining us live on CJOB. Councillor, thank you so much for the time. Thank you. As we've been telling you this morning on the start, Winnipeg's City Council approved $20 million in funding for a proposed $400 million redevelopment of Portage Place Mall. After heated debate yesterday, the total package equals $20 million of support and includes tax increment financing. By passing the updated motion, City Council kept the deal with Starlight alive. It's not a done deal yet. The funding was passed nine councillors to seven. Last half hour, we heard from a councillor on either side of the vote. Both Scott Gillingham and Brian Mays described the process as less than perfect. We cut off the question period when Starlight was there. I had questions about their profitability, didn't get a chance to ask. So uh, I just thought the process was atrocious. I said so on the floor of council. And I think if we're going to be throwing that much money at a company with $14 billion, we, we should take more than well, half an hour of prep time to explain $20 million. Richard Cluche, does Councillor Mays have a future as an analyst, sports, politics, or otherwise? Yeah, he does. Mays was bang on. But this goes back, and it'll I'll circle back to the mayor's office and Mayor Brian Bowman in a moment, but this goes back to the fact that they had this proposal on the desk of the interim chief administrative officer at the end of January and I think what uh, offended me the most was last week at executive policy committee this is was walked on to executive policy committee there was a report done by the city administration and the mayor and some of his top uh, people were chortling and slapping themselves on the back and saying look at what a good job that we have done to get this in time for the last meeting in July and you know record time they had since last January and had we and this all goes guys to the fact that we don't have a CAO right now we have an interim one um, more than qualified to kind of you know maintain what's going on at City Hall but we need somebody new in that post and this has been essentially vacant for more than a year now it's like the hockey team that fires the coach and you put in an interim coach that would want the job and they are so motivated to get the final job but instead what bowman has done is you know promoted somebody that's looking to retire and it all falls on the fact that there was really no meetings with Starlight of a meaningful purpose until really the last hour of this thing. So if, you know, Mays won't say it because I was on executive policy committee and neither will Gillingham, but this lies with the mayor. It, it really does because he doesn't have a chief administrative officer whose job would be, and if this is going to be a big piece of the puzzle of downtown, you make this a priority. And you get out there and you form the committee to start negotiating between the province, the feds, the city early on, not at the last hour, at the last meeting before uh, the kids at City Hall prorogue for the summer. And that's what happened yesterday. It was it was ugly, but this could and should have been avoided. And Councillor May is suggesting that city's not going to have any credibility anymore when they tell people they don't have any money because they said they don't have money, but they were able to dig up an extra 9 million bucks in a couple of days. 
And I'll tell you why that happened. And it happened as a result of your interview with Kevin Klein. Klein was on with you guys yesterday morning following the 8 o'clock news, and he sounded like a mayor in waiting, somebody that was willing to uh, expend these resources simply because he sees Starlight as being a key part of downtown renewal. And May said that when he got into the office at 845, the 11 million from the day before had turned into 20 because Klein had a motion on the floor that was better than theirs. And, you know, if, if it takes somebody like Klein, who um, is new to politics, to be able to do this with some success, you know, his vote lost at City Hall. Everybody backed the, the Cindy Gilroy motion, which really was the mayor's motion. Uh, it does tell you something about the dysfunction at City Hall. But they heard that interview and they heard rumblings of, of Klein's motion. And then, boom, everybody gets to work and suddenly... The five from the last week had turned into the 11 that's now the 20. But I'll tell you guys, Starlight wants this over 10 years, not 20 years. And uh, their, uh, their senior person, uh, Joshua Kaufman, was on with us yesterday afternoon on the news. And he basically said, yeah, you know, it's a good start. We're at the bargaining table. But this deal is not done yet. I do expect that they're going to come back to the city. And Mays is right. The, the, the credibility of this, and this goes back to the mayor, guys. And, and message to the mayor. You've got a month now where you're going to take some time off. And I realize that we're in COVID times. I realize that we're dealing with some unprecedented situations. But if you want the job, if you want to stay in the job, you have to be engaged in the job. And guys... What's happened here is Bowman has, has had some pretty serious losses in the courts. He lost on impact fees. He lost on pension. Two of the key parts of his re-election strategy last time. He's got two more years. Does he want the job or is he looking for a federal appointment? Um, job number one for the mayor, hire a CAO. What happened yesterday is emblematic of what is going on behind the scenes at City Hall. There's no one running the place. The guy right now, he's just hanging out. He's doing as good a job as possible. But it starts the buck stops with Brian Bowman. And he's got to start doing his job. He's spending too much time looking over his shoulder and trying to blame the province for stuff. He has to start leading. He has to start being our mayor again. Rudderless ship at times. Richard Cluche, thank you for this. We appreciate it. Uh, I know this is not the end of the story, as you said. It's sort of the beginning. Much appreciated, my friend. You bet. And, you know, I, I want Brian Bowman to succeed. But yesterday is such an illustration of the problems that we're having at City Hall right now, guys. Richard Cluche, co-host of the News, which runs every weekday from 4 until 7 with Julie Buckingham on 680 CJOB. Uh, and also keep those texts coming at 204-780-6868 on your favorite food stands, out-of-town food stands. We had uh, one listener say Warkies in Morden, and I was actually looking for that when I was driving through Morden last week when I went golfing. It's gone. It's permanently closed, so I never got to visit Warkies in Morden. But hey, thanks for uh, for sharing that. I'm trying to figure figure out who sent us that text, but we've got so many that I can't find it. So keep them coming, 204-780-6868. Winnipeg City Councilor Vivian C. 
Santos finally commenting days after police sources told Global News she failed her background clearance check because of a previous link to a police drug investigation. After refusing repeated requests from Global News for an interview, Santos went to social media last night. Here's Global News anchor Kevin Hirschfield. Now Thursday evening, Santos finally sent out a statement, also tweeting it, saying, I'm not a perfect person. I have made some mistakes in my life. And I am not embarrassed of my personal story. I have embraced my past and acknowledged that I am who I am today because of my trials and tribulations. She also says again, she's had no knowledge of these individuals' personal issues nor allegations of their improper behavior. The only truth, she says, is that my husband made a trusted mistake of lending out her vehicles to help a friend. And she also says, as of today, I am still a member of the Winnipeg Police Board and any replacement would need to be nominated and voted on by city council, although the mayor and police board chair have already said that she can't serve because of her failed security clearance check. Now, Mayor Mayor Brian Bowman emphasized with us on Wednesday morning, failing the background check means you cannot serve on this board. Winnipeg Police Board is unique. The rules have been in place for many, many years that require a police board check. Um, I certainly support that. I want to ensure that anyone who serves on the police board has to pass a background check. It shouldn't be different for, for anyone that wants to serve there. And, and that's something that, that I'll continue to, uh, to support. Now, we'd love to play some audio of Vivian Santos herself, but there's none to play. Here's the question, and I ruminated about this last night. Brett, I sat down and I wrote some of my thoughts out. So this is not off the cuff, um, but this is this is how I've been feeling about this. And I'm asking the question of our listeners, of constituents of hers in Point Douglas. How do you feel about the counselor's statement? I'm going to repeat this. I'm not a perfect person. I've made some mistakes in my life, and I'm not embarrassed of my personal story. Who among us can't declare that? Who of us? wouldn't say that. Nobody's perfect. If you're proud of who you are and where you are in your life, you have to be grateful for all of your experiences, good, bad, or otherwise. There isn't anyone I know who doesn't have some things in their past, which would be at the very least uncomfortable if they were written in a book or released publicly. If you're a politician, you have to understand there's another level of scrutiny with which those mistakes may be examined, depending on when they occurred. In her statement, there is no acknowledgement from Councillor Santos of how others might feel about the situation. Zero contrition or an apology, which may indicate some emotional connection to the members of the community who might be bothered by the fact the councillor kept certain company or feel as though this changes their opinion of the first-time city councillor. That includes her colleagues or people who may have voted for her. The flip on the system and calling it flawed is bothersome. I get it. I would hate to be told, hey, you've got this awesome promotion. Just sign this, this, and that, and here are your new duties. We just need to run a security check, and we were good to go. Then you fail the background check. Potentially devastating news. Once again, I get it. Is it fair for you to stand in front of the public and say you've been racking your brain for days trying to figure out what may have been flagged as troublesome? That's what Santos did. Here's a fact. Jay Santos is a lifelong family friend. That's according to Santos herself. The other Santos, Jay Santos, was charged with drug trafficking. Full stop. Forget about the vehicles and the lending of such. There's all sorts of nuances to this story. 
Counselor, you have admitted to cutting someone out of your life for not being the type of person you thought they were. Your words exactly. Quote, the media reports regarding the two individuals have nothing to do with my work as a city councillor and are simply family friends we no longer have ties with. So you understand the idea of moving on. At the very least, admit that you understand why this might look bad and be a potential risk in the eyes of police. Say emphatically, we need individuals with a good character and good judgment on city council and act, acting deputy mayor and on the police board. Shout it from the rooftops. I am that person. Do you sense any personal accountability or self-reflection in the statement from Vivian Santos? Or is this someone who feels it's not me, it's you? You in this case being the system. Santos initially resigned from the board after failing her background check, but then began contemplating rescinding that resignation. In her statement, Santos says, as of today, I'm still a member of the Winnipeg Police Board and any replacement would need to be nominated and voted on by city council. Whether you feel the Winnipeg Police Service conjured up some obscure connection to prevent her from being on the police board or simply failed her check because they don't like her defund the police stance or on the other end of the spectrum, Maybe you feel like you don't have nearly enough information from the police on Councillor Santos and her past or present questionable relationships. You deserve answers. We all deserve answers. Whether or not you believe Vivian Santos should proudly remain on the Winnipeg Police Board until someone tells her otherwise, or you feel she should resign from City Council altogether, citizens and, and those at opposite ends of the opinion arena and all interested citizens in between deserve some genuine dialogue. You deserve answers. Councillor Santos, if you're listening, we are inviting you to come on air. We have 13 hours of local live programming every weekday here on CJOB. Any one of our hosts would be happy to welcome you to speak from the heart. You clearly have plenty to say. Three pages worth last night. Come share openly your journey to this point and what we can learn from this shared experience. This isn't your experience exclusively, counselor. Come interact with people, the people who have you have pledged to serve. We have a large two-topping pizza to give away from Santa Lucia Pizza. And the phone lines are jammed, Greg, at 204-780-6860, because who doesn't want a pizza from Santa Lucia? Have you ever heard anybody say, I don't want a pizza from Santa Lucia? Never. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. It's like the... It does not happen. Yeah. that's the, that. The, Santa Lucia is the kind of place where you go, you know, you might have the places you usually go, and then you say, no, no, let's do it right tonight. We're calling Santa Lucia. So, Diane is up first, and Diane, the question is, you will find five of these in the average kitchen pantry. What, what is it? Um, five. Yep. Uh, cereal? <laughs> I, you know what? I, I thought it maybe that this was going to be too easy today. And as it no. turns out. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm happy, but no. Diane, right out of the gate. Boxes of cereal. Oh, good. Well, we always have lots of cereal, so that's the first thing I thought of. What kind of cereal do you have in your pantry? We have Cheerios and Shreddies and oatmeal and uh, a Cranberry Crunch and Harvest Crunch and uh, 
uh, pumpkin granola. <laughs> so you, so you lean more towards the healthy stuff. Yes, we do. Okay, because I think I, I at one point I think I had seven boxes of cereal in my pantry, and I'm just going to try to go on memory here, Greg. I had two boxes of chocolate Cheerios, two mm-hmm. boxes of chocolate Frosted Flakes, a box of Oreo O's. Uh, many of these were dropped off by uh, Munther Zeed from Food Fair. He was, we were talking about chocolate frosted flakes, so he, he dropped by with a whole bunch of boxes of chocolate cereal and chocolate milk. Uh, and then I, I also had, I still have, a box of birthday cake Timbits <laughs> and the, the chocolate glaze Timbits. I ended up having to throw away, oh, and I, had a, I also have a box of all brand buds in there. You know, got to keep things moving. But I had to get rid of the chocolate Cheerios because they were expired. I just pulled, finally pulled them out the other day, and they were like two years old. So clearly I don't eat a lot of cereal anymore. But uh, Diane, congratulations. What kind of pizza are you going to get? Large two-topping. Uh, probably a pepperoni and green pepper. Pepperoni and green pepper. Interesting combo. Diane, I'm going to put you on hold. Producer Kyle's going to get your details. And as far as breakfast cereal goes, Greg, what do you like for the cereal? Uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch and Golden Grahams are probably my two favorites. Okay. The boys are in big trouble. Golden Grahams don't find their way into our house that often, but Cinnamon Toast Crunch, the double bag box every once in a while will be on sale at Costco. And you can imagine with two 14-year-old boys, the amount of cereal we go through in my house, it's ridiculous. (laughs) Like a case or a pallet. Wouldn't be enough for us. Uh, for a pallet, might not last a year. Here, every time I'm turning around, I hear the I hear the ching, the chingle of the of the whatever it is, Fruit Loops or the Cheerios going in the bowl. It's like, what are you doing in there? Having a bowl of cereal, hungry. It's every day, man. Sometimes multiple times a day. Can you not find anything to eat? I like cereal, and that's just the way it goes. <laughs> that's so true though when i was a teenager i could eat just bowls and bowls of cereal and diane mentioned shreddies and i just kind of had this flashback to when i was a kid because shreddies on their own are kind of boring yeah, like I, I like i like to eat shreddies i rarely put sugar on cereal anymore but when i was a kid i used to put sugar on almost every cereal especially shreddies to the point where like once the shreddies were gone and it was just milk like i could actually scrape sugar off of the bottom of the bowl and i would just finish that um they also had vanilla shreddies for a little while Mm. i don't think they make those anymore but they make other kinds of uh of shreddies and i just saw a new oh shoot i just saw a new flavor of cheerios it's on the tip of my tongue i can't remember what it was Maybe it was. I'll I'll change the subject and then you'll remember it. Okay. Did Did you like Life cereal? Because Life was, I thought, a little bit better than Shreddies, but probably not as good for you as Shreddies. I I loved Life, but here's the here's the thing. Life uh, cereal, it made me uh, really gassy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. is that a thing? Oh, I thought Cheerios Cheerios made me burp a lot. The oh. Cheerio burp? That was so, no, Shreddies, Cheerios, Cheerios, Cheerios made me burp. Oh no! I guess I, it's the oats, maybe. I'm talking of well, I'm talking gassy of a different kind. Oh yes, uh, the other side. Yeah. And and actually, that kind of leads to what the, the this was going to be the alternate question. I was bouncing between that question we asked and this other trivia question, which just made me go, what? 
24% of women admit that they have done this in the bathroom. And the answer, and I don't know if, if we ever would have gotten to this, stood on a toilet and looked at their butt in the mirror. <laughs> exactly. What do you say to that? Nothing. Nope. In case you missed it earlier, we mentioned that this is our last show on the start in our current location at Polo Park because as of Sunday, 680 CJOB will be broadcasting from our new home at 201 Portage where we will long last join our friends at Global Winnipeg. So Clay Young is actually going to have honors. He's going to be the first guy broadcasting live on CJOB in our new location and our friends down the hall at Power 97 and Peggy at 991 they'll be moving over, I believe, in the middle of next week. And uh, it's been nine years. Producer Kyle said it was February 14th, 2011, Greg. Nine, over nine years in this building. And uh, this, is the, I, this is my second location at CJOB. I was, we were both at 930 Portage, and now we're going to be finding ourselves downtown. Yeah, 30 floors above it all as well. Our, uh, our studio faces west so we won't see the sun rises like we have been over the years brett but uh the view is much more spectacular and i've just got a few things uh you know uh, a couple of our colleagues suggested maybe we share some of our fondest memories of our time in that building today and i've got a few bracketed by a pair of firsts and uh, the first time i hosted richard cloutier's show at the time richard cloutier reports from nine till noon rcr RCR. RCR. I had also hosted the Nighthawk, hosted by Jeff Courier at the time, from 9 till midnight the previous night. Oh, my God. So I got on the air and uh, <laughs> let the, the audience know that I had, in fact, slept in the jock lounge on the leather couch. <laughs> Uh, because I didn't want to lose an hour of sleep driving home and then driving back again. That's the hardest couch to you... sleep on. Yeah. Well, Kevin Wallace, who was our program director at the time, he, at lunchtime, he goes, oh, Greg, I'm so sorry, man. Like, I just, we had no choice. I said, Lizard, I did not sleep on the couch, but it made for good radio. <laughs> Uh, uh, some of our incredible guests, like so many individuals over the years, right? In that studio, Brett and I'm thinking mostly of our time together there. John Reese Davies, when he came in and, and dropped a bombshell uh, about, um, oh, geez, came in uh, Harvey Weinstein yep. and his take on Harvey Weinstein. Brian Baumler, who I've been a fan of forever to finally sit down next to him and chit-chat with him. All the Jets and Bombers we've had over the years, including who at the time had just signed with Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Zach Caleros. I have a picture of myself and Zach, and I'm shaking his hand uh playfully reluctantly saying you know you play for the rough riders i can't really be doing this and then who would know three years later he would be uh helping the blue bombers win the gray cup we had some great conversations with darius bowman and some of the other bombers about race relations and then i guess i'll have to brag can dried it like the list could go on and on but i have to say the one that stands out most in retrospect now, Brett, is the first time you and I ever hosted the morning show together. And I'm not talking about three years ago. 
I'm talking about, I think it was almost seven years ago, Hal Anderson Mornings was still a thing. And uh, Hal uh, had to take a couple of days off, and they dragged us in from the bullpen. And instantly, I felt something with you, because you were the first person at CGOB I ever spoke to yep. when I entered the Talk Idol competition. And so here we are 11 years, almost 12 years later now, and we're we're hosting the morning show together. But that first time we did mornings with Hal, I knew you were the right guy to hitch my hitch my uh, my wagon to. And uh, let me tell you, I, I I was right then, and um, right now to be uh, sitting with you. And now that we've got McNabb in the in the saddle alongside us, uh, I just uh, so honored to to be here. I've been listening to CJOB since I was six years old, uh, calling into Peter Warren as a kid and to be doing what we do and uh, to do it at CJOB is just uh, every day I have to pinch myself. Yeah. Well, well, first of all, thank, thank you for including me uh, in that, Greg. I remember when, um, so I used to host an afternoon program here called the all news drive. And then I got bumped into co-hosting uh, or moved into co-hosting a show that was uh, previously on from one until three and then became one until four. And uh, the the host was female. And then she, as it turns out, she was on her way out. She handed in her notice right away after that change. So you got, as you had been doing with us for the better part of the decade, you stepped into the breach to co-host. Um, but they were searching for a permanent host. And I, I remember marching into our boss's office and saying, uh, I know you're like, look, I know Greg's just filling in right now, but what are you doing? Like this, the search is over. End your search right now. Like there's no point in finding a new host. Just give it to Greg because this, this is the show. This is the show. It worked right from the start. And as you pointed out, once they added McNabb into the mix, uh, it got even better. So uh, we... Have had some great times over the years. Uh, one thing I'm not going to miss, and I, I'm curious to know if this is going to make its way over, but we there are some gremlins in our system, and it's uh, I, I, it's been fun, I guess, learning how to handle those gremlins. Like sometimes keyboards will just stop working, mice, the, our mouse will just stop working, computer monitors will freeze, and a lot of times that's because uh, even though the, the computer is in studio. The hard drive is in our rack room, way down the hall. So they've got it. I don't know how they do it. They hook uh, they hook it into some sort of a, I just call it a relay box. And sometimes that relay box glitches out. So you gotta like crawl underneath the table and find which one is which wire is this and unplug this and do that. And uh, I've wrenched my back a few times. So I might have to. Hopefully those glitches. Don't follow because I'll have to learn a whole bunch of new stuff. Uh, but our engineers have been working tirelessly over the last several months getting ready for the move to 201 Portage. We weren't anticipating being there for at least another month. So I guess that, that because of our awesome team of engineers, they're able to get her done by the end of this month. So as of Monday, we'll be broadcasting live from 201 Portage. And as mentioned, Clay Young has honors. He'll be he'll he'll be the the first at bat, so to speak, Sunday morning uh, for with his morning show. So I guess uh, this is almost goodbye to Polo Park. Well, Clay, Clayman, uh, uh, afraid of heights? <laughs> Does he know that we're on the 30th floor? He is like, the Clayman. I know he's a superhero. Yeah. I know he's a superhero, but uh, how is he with the heights? Because it's pretty high. I pretty hope he wears his cape 
his full Clayman uniform. He's got the full Clayman. I, I won't call it a costume. It's a uniform for Clay Young. We've been asking you all morning at 204-780-6868. What is your favorite out-of-town food stand? It was inspired by a conversation we had yesterday with Sills in Carmen for our small town salute because their mini golf starts today. We have a $100 gift card for co-op gas bars up for grabs. Free Gas Fridays. It's our first edition of that, and it goes all the way through to September 4th. So it's perfect for today. You get the gas card, you go out to your favorite food stand, and boy, oh boy, did you deliver in text messages. Listen to this. This is not, we, I'm going to read two texts and then the winner. This one from Seven Sisters. How about the airliner in Beausajour? One can actually fly a small engine plane right there. They have a landing strip. Excellent right. food, but about a 20 to 30 minute wait. If you're lucky, you can watch a plane come or go. I saw four one day while I was there. So that's from somebody in Seven Sisters. Trevor says, love the fish and chips in Gimli. Beach Boys stand, great pickerel burger. Years ago, went there with a friend. We installed cabinets all day, went there at the end of the day, famished, grabbed our food, drove home. He was driving. I handed him his burger, but just prior to doing that, I removed a mayfly sitting on his burger patty. I didn't have the heart to tell him until now. But here's the winner. Oh, really? That's an on-air confession? Yeah, it's an on-air confession. And the, his friend was a, was a Winnipeg police officer. So he probably could have uh, thrown him and <laughs> said, you're under arrest. But uh, Heather... We read this earlier, said, My favorite out-of-town food stand is Sonia's and Lockport. Burgers and fries are awesome, but mostly it's the memories of going there with my parents. We'd grab our food and then go across the bridge to eat by the river. Once I was able to drive, I introduced my friends to it, and we did the same thing. Now my hubby and I do it. And I think Heather just kind of nailed the whole point of this conversation. It's about uh, how these little food stands bring us together and become tradition that we can share through generations. So, Heather, thank you so much for sharing that with us. You're the winner of our gift card. We will be in touch to get some details from you. Greg Mackling, what's coming up in sports? The two favorites for the MLB sprint break out of the gate on a positive note. And Jets head coach Paul Marie says what Auntie Anthony Batetto brings to the table, trying to combine two words there. And uh, it was not affected by COVID-19. That's the good news. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.